Welcome to From Uniforms to Unicorns. This podcast is all about our experience as female corrections officers, our challenges, our triumphs, and our transitions out of the career. Lauren and I have always had a significant bond friends, moms, and business owners that happen to be in prison. Life attempted to separate us, but we always found a way back to each other through huge life milestones, tragedy, and random text messages saying, I thought of you today. We know there's huge curiosity surrounding these topics, and we aren't the only ones that struggle. There are also incredible stories just waiting to be shared, and we want this to be a safe place for us and you to talk about the often unspoken world of corrections. Grab a coffee, head out on a walk, or just take a break. Let me warn you, we have no idea what we're doing. From uniforms to uniforms. From Uniforms to Unicorns is sponsored by Brand 47 Coffee, which was founded by Holly and Alex, both first responders looking to create a sustainable business to pass on to their two sons with Down syndrome, Jax and Nico. Thinking about the future has always been in the forefront of their heads for their boys, creating meaningful employment and independence as adults. The only way to do that was to create it. Brand 47 Coffee Co. provides the most unique and fun-flavored coffee. Seriously, it is so good. Our Mine and Sharon's favorite is the Coco Loco. It's coconut-infused. It is to die for. All of their coffee is small-batched and roasted to order. They are incredible people doing incredible things. Their vision is to keep the world caffeinated, to stay special, and be extra. You can find them at brand47coffee.com. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Lauren. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Yeah, I'm excited to be back in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) It's because Zoom is freezing, so I can't see you talking. So now I'm going to talk over you the whole time. It's okay. It seems like the audio is working, so that's that's perfect. uh, We are here today with uh, Mark. Mankey. Uh, we are so excited to have him in the studio. He has his own podcast, Operation uh, Tango Romeo, which we are excited to share some information about today and um, get to know Mark a little bit better. So thanks for being here, Mark. Well, howdy. Thanks for having me. Awesome. awesome. This is going to be fun. So how do you and Lauren know each other? Did we land on that or... I'm pretty sure it was the pole dancing class. Pole dancing. That's what I. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's what it was. <laughs> the secrets. The secrets behind the closed doors. Uh, <laughs> no, we, uh, we just connected through social media, I think, with our, our love for um, helping first responders would be, I would say that's how we connected. Hey, Mark. No, that's awesome. what it was. Uh, you, I just saw the work that you were doing in that space. And I thought, uh, hey, I'm going to reach out to her. So yeah. I did and then had you on the show. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I was I on Mark. Awesome. When was that? It was about a year ago, probably. Probably about that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Good. Okay. Go ahead, Sharon. Thanks. Okay. I was just going to say, and you are, Mark, your ex-military. So what led you to that, to the military in the first place? How old were you? 
what made you choose the military, all of those things. Well, uh, <laughs> desperation mostly. Desperation. I, I knew I, I knew I had to do something. I was wearing my skin tight purple polyester pants, flipping donuts to Tim Hortons. And oh, wow. I, was do, I was doing the night shift and uh, the chronics that would come in <laughs> and, and just live at the Tim Hortons all night long. Um, uh, I thought, you know what? I think I'm looking at my future here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> looking at these folks and, and uh, how grumpy they were and just miserable. And I thought, if I don't do something, that's going to be me for yes. sure. Yes. And I don't want that to be me. So I got to do freaking something. Mm -hmm. And um I enjoyed the first aid classes that I took in high school. So I thought, well, maybe I'll be a medic. That'd be cool. I'd like to do search and rescue or something. Mm -hmm. So I, I went, I, I joined up, went through the recruiting process. Uh, I could have sworn I heard them say, okay, you're in. And, uh, and you're leaving February 11th. Then I show up at the, re, you know, somewhere in January going, Hey, I haven't heard from you guys in a while. And they're like, Oh, Oh yeah. No, no. You misunderstood. You're not going to be a medic. Uh, well, you competed for the position. You didn't actually get it. I said, well, I already had the going away parties. So what do you got? <laughs> Music to a recruiter's ears. And they said, well, we have the infantry. I said, fine, I'll take it. Uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> and off I went. And instead of patching them up, uh, patching up the holes, I uh, went into the trade where I was putting wow. holes in people. So mm -hmm. the exact opposite of uh, why I wanted to join, mm -hmm. but it was, it was a good experience all the same. And that's what I did. Okay. And so how old were you then? When you I first started, 20, my 21st birthday was in battle school. Wow. And then uh, my 24th birthday was in a war. Oh, geez. Wow. Where was that? Croatia oh. in uh, 1994. Yeah, during the, um, the breakdown of the Balkans of Yugoslavia. So there was a series of wars that uh, cascaded across the country, kind of started in croatia and bosnia and uh, just it just kept going it was uh, like dominoes ended up in kosovo and but uh, the war i was in was in uh, croatia during the genocide that's when the canadian government came up with the euphemism ethnic cleansing i'm like that's just a bizarre word for genocide but they didn't want to call it genocide because they uh, uh then they'd have the responsibility of doing something about it but it was just politics uh, that came up with the word ethnic cleansing. Hate that word still to this day. No kidding. Absolutely. Huh? Well, it, it, it um, minimizes what it was. Right. And, you know, like ethnic cleansing, when everybody's taking a bath together at the spa, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, they're wiping out entire villages. It's not good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not good. Okay. So but you're there. You're there in 1994. You come back to yeah. Canada. What year do you come back? Same year? Yeah, it was a six-month tour. I was on the summer tour from about April to October. Okay. And okay. Uh, and I I knew something was wrong, actually, while I was still on tour. I um, wasn't great with my temper. I just, I, I remember losing my mind over, we were playing a game of risk, and then with a good friend of mine and I freaking 
just being an idiot. And he's like, well, if you're going to be a child, I'm going to not play this game anymore. And he walked away. I'm like, well, shit, what's going on? And, um, uh, plus what, when I uh, came back to Canada for my leave, had a couple of over the top blowouts and, um, I'm like, well, that was, that was weird. I didn't used to do that. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And, um, when the tour was over, got home, found myself punching holes in walls and uh, even punched out my, uh, <laughs> the windshield in my car from the inside out. Didn't know you could do that. It's actually not that hard. It, uh, <laughs> was that a road, but, uh, ra- road rage incident or just a... Uh, can't even remember. No. But, um, uh, the first time I saw uh, that my... Uh, saw it spider, I'm like, well, that was kind of cool. So I just kept going until I had, didn't have a windshield anymore. But um, all these things that were going on did not know that it was a direct result of just being in a war and also didn't know what to do about it. Nobody was talking about PTSD. Um, my behavior no support system. Like you come, so you come back no, from the war in 1994 no and they're just no like, get off the plane, go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And um no real time off after the tour. Like was it was very minimal. And um straight back into the field. Straight back into the field. And uh yeah, the, the, anybody nowadays would have looked at these blowouts that I was having and like grabbing a guy by the throat in the platoon room and pinning him up against the wall. Red flag. That's not normal behavior, not even in the, but, um, nowadays people would say, wait a second. Uh, that's, that's not okay, dude. And let's talk to somebody, but not then. Then it was just like, okay, you know, if you blow a nut, that's all right. Um, uh, it, it was just accepted. It was, it was just accepted. Nobody talked about it after. And, um, Go have a beer, man. That was it. Yeah, go have a drink. Shake it off. Yeah. Go have a drink. Shake it off. Yeah. A lot of the drinking. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't work, drink more. Yes. It'll work eventually. Yeah. That's a great solution. And if that doesn't work, just take some pills with that drink. <laughs> yeah. We'll just get you to sleep at least, and then you won't be our problem. Go to the bar, try to get lucky. Mm-hmm. 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 But uh, anything but admit that this is a problem that needs to be dealt with. Okay. So you come home, you realize you have a problem. You punch out the windshield of your car from the inside. And, and then, and then what happens? You, you go you back, realize right? you need help or you go back into work and try and deal with it that way. I realized that I didn't want to do army anymore. Okay. And I was like, no, I'm not going to army anymore. I'm done. And wasn't really sure why I was done, but I was done and, um, didn't want to do war again. Mm-hmm. So I decided to get out, which was terrifying. Cause what the fuck am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so out, out, I went. And the only thing I knew for sure is I wanted to go to college because there was something about being in a war zone where there were no opportunities. There were no, no choices. And I realized that I had opportunities. I want to go to college. All I got to do is get me a student loan and I go. Yeah. Pretty simple. <laughs> right. Yes. You know, and uh, like what an opportunity. Because um, in Croatia at that time, if somebody was going to go t- 
uh, to college or university. Well, I mean, the whole family would have to save their nickels and everybody would skip a meal a day for months. And um, like, it was a major, major deal to put somebody through a university because it can't be there. It's a war. You know, you got to go somewhere where there's a functioning institution uh, that isn't getting shelled. And um, it's, it's a big, big deal, you know, and maybe one member of the entire family with all the cousins and uncles supporting that person gets to go. So I realized what an opportunity that I had and I wanted to take it. I ended up uh, going to Grant McEwen and Edmonton, the police and security program seemed, seemed appropriate. Uh, I was like, what else am I going to do after being an army guy? And uh, that's typically the route. Was, yeah. It is typically the route, but um, even in university or in college, nobody was like, Hey man, we need to talk. And you need to talk to somebody because you're not right. Well, when I graduated, I won the award for craziest grad. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and you want to be a police officer and the award you get is craziest grad, not a resume stuffer. No, no, no. Keep that know, not a great yeah. resume stuffer. So yeah, we'll take the most unstable guy, <laughs> the guy that all the stories are about and, uh, put him on the street with the uniform of the gun. Nope. <laughs> No, it was actually, uh, I found out at that time that I needed heart surgery. And um, that was the only reason that I veered off that path. That and that little voice in my head going, it would be a bad idea. You're going to punch your grandma on the face. You know, you know, you are. Mm -hmm. So don't do it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I'm totally going to punch a grandma. Like, you know, <laughs> like, uh, I can't do this. It's going to be on the news. Wow. You know, I don't want to fudge any grannies. So, so I decided on something else and uh, decided not to do the policing thing. So that was what, what timeline are we looking at? What year was, was that? Graduated. So and all that in? The war was 94. Mm -hmm. I got out of the army in 95. Graduated Grant McEwen in 98. 98. And so then did you apply to the the police service and get on and then decided no 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 not for me or how did that go so the first time i applied was with edmonton and right. that was uh, at the same time that i was applying for um for college and i got over the hump with edmonton like i got past that point where it's like oh frick i'm in cool but then my college uh, application came in with a green light. I'm like, Hmm, I got out of the army to do this. So if you'll take me now, you'll take me after college for sure. And would probably be a better career career trajectory. So I halted the police process with uh, EPS and uh, went to college. <clears throat> and in the middle of college is when I applied to uh, the RCMP that was a bit of a bugger, just the, the written. Yeah, but once I got over, that's the biggest hump for the RCMP is the, is the written entrance exam. The physical was a joke, especially for a guy that was just in the army for five years. Right. And um, it, it, was, it was just ridiculous. It was silly. But um, did the RCMP testing, got over the hump with that, um, but at, when I had to get the medical clearance, you're like listening to my ticker and they're like, Hey, you got a pretty, pretty nasty murmur there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I just did 
five years of army with that. It was in the infantry, man. For God's sake, I was in the third battalion. They were insane there. Didn't kill me. And they're like, yeah, you should be dead. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, this heart rumor is actually quite severe. Um, and you got to worry about sudden death and heart disease. Oh, so I actually got to get this fixed. He's like, you're going to die, dude. You got to get this fixed. Okay. Good to know. Did not know this. And um, wow. so that veered me off the, wow. the, uh, the whole police thing. Um, and then in 99, so graduated uh, college in 98. In July of 99, uh, the only doctor in the country that could do it was in Toronto. So Alberta Healthcare, they actually paid for uh, my flight and everything for me and plus somebody to carry my bags on the way back. So my cousin came with me uh, eventually. He didn't go, um, he, like, it was after the heart surgery that uh, he showed up. So I was there by myself for open heart surgery. And uh, so I got the cool scar and everything. They, cool. they cracked open my chest and, and they got to it. Now that fucking sucked. I bet. Open heart surgery, 29 years old. Garen, like, was for sure I was going to die. Like, there's no way I'm going to survive this one. And um, the first thing that I said when I woke up to the nurse is like, am I alive or are you an angel? Like, what's going on? And she cried, and then I projectile vomited. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So oh, didn't anesthesia. get a date with her later. No, I was just going to say, that was your pickup line. Are you an angel? Yum, are you an angel? <laughs> <laughs> As she's dodging out of the projectile vomit stream. It was like something out of the exorcist. Jeez. And then I was, I was like, oh, God, I hope I quit puking soon. The cracked open chest really freaking hurts. No kidding. Oh, oh I remember after I had a C-section, I threw up. Oh, that was not a good feeling. I know. Not a good feeling. Just like holding my stomach, being like so sick, (laughs) praying that like a staple doesn't go flying out across the room. (laughs) (laughs) Gross, gross. Okay, so you have open our heart. So you're you're essentially fixed. Ready to go. How long does it, how how long is the recovery? Uh, Well, when I got home, I think it was eight days after the surgery and, uh, got lucky with the girlfriend I had at the time. So it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't too, wasn't too bad. I wasn't, I wasn't holding. It was real gentle though. Real gentle. Just not to kill you. Right. Just not to kill you. Yeah. Don't kill me. Oh, you're hilarious. Let's try these staples and see if they hold. Oh, geez. Sorry, Jace. That's all right. But not obviously not back up to any sort of physical stamina like you were in the army. Like, no, but uh, prior to the, because I I didn't want to get all droopy so i was working out like a son of a gun prior to the surgery Mm -hmm. and um and then after the surgery i was back in the gym after about three weeks very very gently Mm -hmm. but uh bench press was a bit of a bugger (laughs) (laughs) you know but it 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 took a while but i got back to it eventually and then and uh, got strong again because i didn't want to get weak and, um, that, yeah, but uh, after the surgery though, um, I went back to work and I had a whole bunch of little miniature heart attacks and strokes, uh, <laughs> which is kind of 
of common, but not. And um, when your chest is that tender, you can feel every heartbeat. Like you can feel it all. You know exactly what's going on. I knew. And I felt my heart stop and clench and go into uh, fibrillation. I'm like, oh, that's not good. And I, I start to pass out and then it kicks back in. I'm like, uh, I think I better call my cardiologist. <laughs> so I, I call Dr. Manieri. I tell him what's going on. He's like, you're freaking kidding me. No. I mean, this isn't normal. No, it's not normal. Call an ambulance. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not calling an ambulance. <laughs> so I told my boss, like, yeah, apparently I just had a heart attack uh, when you saw me almost fall out of the chair. So I got to go. He's like, want me to drive you? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> so I drove myself to the hospital. I'm doo doo doo. And uh, walk in. I just said, yeah, I just had a cardiac event. They're like, yeah, whatever, man. And then I opened up my shirt and showed him my scar. They're like, oh. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a young, young, fit, 29-year-old uh, uh, dude, uh, they, they didn't believe me. And they still didn't really believe me. And then they hooked me up with uh, the heart monitor. And I said, oh, hang on. Here it comes. Here it comes. Beep. <laughs> I watched myself freaking flatline and then, you know, start to fade out again and then go boom, go boom, go boom, boom. And the, the nurses look at it. I go, well, son of a bitch. <laughs> I've never seen that before. I'm like me neither. <laughs> We're in it together, I guess. And then that was the last time they put the halter monitor on me and everything, but it didn't happen again. But, uh, no, that was, it was an adventure. So you wow. probably would have been, if that had happened in the army, you would have probably been sent home on medical, right? Uh, they would have kicked me out on yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. And I only know they that because like speaking with Carl and all of his stuff, right? Like I, I'm just like, oh, any sort of, any sort of a health issue that comes up, they're like, okay, bye. See you later. Get out of here. Right. Yeah. Oh. Now, are you sure his name is really Carl? Cause that's sort of, that's an army joke. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Me and Sharon laugh about his name being Carl all the time too. I, yeah, we do. Uh, <laughs> he would be dying to hear this because Sharon was like, and she, it's so funny because no, his name really is Carl. Um, but yeah, we laugh about his name being Carl all the time. Cause when he showed up on the thing, Sharon was like, what is he white or is he black? Because every guy I know named Carl is not white. Right. Like, so then Carl, laughed, especially, is it yeah. a C or is it with a K or is it Carl J hey. is it whatever? Like we just, and so I told him that story later and he laughed at us. He actually looks like, um, Daniel Goggins. Is that his name? Uh, you know, do you know who I'm talking Goggins? about? Goggins? Oh yeah. Goggins. Yeah. He looks David, like Goggins, but a David white Goggins. Goggins. He looks like a white yeah, guy. Who's oh, another like... black guy? Yeah. <laughs> Uber jacked. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. Uh, uh, there's there's the Carl meme and like where Carl does something goofy, uh, sort of a Ryan Ryan Reynolds kind of uh, comment, and everyone's like, Carl, shut up. <laughs> but the other uh, Carl joke is, um, I meet a lady at the bar, and you tell her that your name is Carl. It's not actually your name. Last name Gustav, which is the name of the uh, rocket launcher, the man, uh, the two-person mm -hmm. held rocket launcher that uh, for to, to take out tanks is called the Carl Gustav. So people <laughs> would use that as their uh, bar name. <laughs> There's a lot of kids running around looking for their daddy named Carl, Carl. Gustav. <laughs> 
Oh boy. You would actually really love Carl. Uh, I'm going to connect you with him because he does adventure coach. Um, and he, um, he served in Bosnia. Was it Bosnia or? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Bosnia. Bosnia. Um, and his story's on our podcast too, but he, yeah, he's a wicked dude. You'd really like him. What's his last name? McPhee. Don't search him up right now or our internet's going to cut out. Carl Hanna is a, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not do it. Carl Hanna was a um, legend, uh, oh. the scariest man in NATO when I, w- w- when I met him. He was only about six foot, six foot one, but just like terrifying. Uh, uh, <laughs> so jacked. And the, 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 the Slavic features and was well well known to be a savage. He's he was kind of like uh, Rip on Yellowstone. Oh, I oh, don't yeah. watch that show. Do you should watch, watch it. I know. I Everyone do. keeps telling religiously. Me I love Rip. Yeah. Well, yeah. Imagine Rip, but in the army and with a gun. <laughs> with a <the> gun. <laughs> Awesome. Take it to another level. I know everyone keeps talking and all my girlfriend, I'm in a bowling league, uh, the bowling bitches send uh, a rip something every day. And I'm like, I don't even know what anyone's talking about. They're like, stop working and start watching TV, Lord. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Get off the podcast. Go Get put off it the on podcast. Right now. Stop doing everything <laughs> you're doing. Watch TV. Uh, okay. So you said you left your, your job. But I was like, what were you doing then? What did you go into? Or did you just have like a... After college? Yeah. Hmm. The first thing that it'd take me, I started at a collection agency. Oh, okay. my mom did that shit, job for a while. Shitty job. Shitty job. Well, at the time, they've changed the rules on it. But at the time, my job was to lie my ass off all day long. <laughs> you know, uh, it'd be... Hello, Lauren. This is Mark from the collection agency. I've just received instructions from my client to, to file a summons against you in the court of Queens bench for the sum of $738.29. Now, Lauren, is it going to be necessary to file this summons or can you have the balance in here in full by four o'clock tomorrow afternoon? And I would tell that I see, I can still do it after yeah, all these years. And, um, and then I would tell that lie again. And again, and again, 30 times a day, I would tell this lie. Uh, now, we did sue the occasional person the occasional time, but it was rare. And you're sure not going to get sued for $749.29. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's a few grand, yeah, we might sue your ass. If it looks like you could pay, you're just not. But um, it didn't happen much. And also, shitty, shitty job. Yeah, no kidding. I did I not can only, like and- and I can imagine like the sob stories you hear, like attached to them, oh, right? The screams, the crying. <sighs> yeah. No, it just sucked. Yeah. But I did it. For, I did it for a year, and then I did in-house collections, which is completely uh, different because the person you're talking to is actually your client, as opposed to your client is the person that you're collecting for. Right. So third-party right. collections was brutal, but. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but doing in-house collections wasn't bad because you're trying to maintain the, the client relationship. I didn't mind that. Like it was yeah. fine. We're like, Hey, um, you're ha- haven't paid your bill in six months. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do we work this out? That was easy. I didn't mind that at all. I was good at that. And I didn't have to lie to anybody. <laughs> and I, and I, sued, and I sued zero people. So perfect. That's a good track Way record. better. <laughs> way better way better yeah 
I like yeah. that. One. Okay. So your heart is good. Things are getting better. You're moving into something a little bit more up your alley. No, I bopped and it's, um, PTSD affects different people in different ways. Yeah. Um, for me, it's just general instability. So I've had more jobs than probably anybody you will ever meet in your freaking life. It's ridiculous because either I burn out at the job or, um, or, or I get fired. It'd be one of the two mm-hmm. and, um, all about instability yeah. and driving I, chaos. It, yeah. It's always chaos always Mm -hmm. chaos and doing something new. Um, when I was doing the in-house collections, it was for Boxcom security. And then it uh, got recruited onto the sales team. It was kicking ass. was doing really, really good at it. But as soon as there was, um, what I felt were injustices, part of the PTSD brain is you cannot tolerate the injustices. Mm -hmm. And so you become the crusader and Mm. the squeaky wheel you know, the loud one in the room and the fighter, you like to fight. I'm fighting. Fuck you. Let's go die on this. hill. I'll die here. Everybody. Oh yeah. (laughs) yeah. And I wouldn't back off from Godzilla. It's like, you're going to get killed. I know I'm going to get killed. Don't care. I'm going to bite him. You know, like I'll go down swinging and, Mm -hmm. and, um, not great when, when you're trying to keep a job. Cause I will, cause if you push me, I will fight you. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't matter. If you push me, I will fight you. And that's the end of it. And um, what I've learned is that that's actual wiring. It's not a choice because I've mm-hmm. been conditioned that if you have a problem, kill it. If you have a problem, kill it. If you have a mm-hmm. problem, kill it. If you don't have that conditioning, you cannot do your job as a soldier because it's Sorry. fight, flight, or freeze. Well, freeze don't work. Flight don't work. It has to be fight. Mm-hmm. And so the people that can't go into that mode automatically with have a problem and kill it, if it's have a problem, get the hell out of there. Well, then you don't make it through battle school. Yeah. And after you've you tested, you, you, yeah, uh, well, you, you just, you just flunk out of the course, but in a war zone, and actually the guy I had on yesterday, uh, he's got a few tours too. And not everybody that uh, makes it through, is if I have a problem, kill it. Some of them are still freeze. Some of them are still flight. And you never know, no matter how much training you do, never really know until it hits the fan. Mm -hmm. And we both had examples of guys that either froze or or fled. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not the job. The job's to keep going forward when you really, really don't want to. Mm -hmm. I know it's scary. Yes, it's, I am crapping my pants too, but we're going that way. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're freaking going. And if you don't come with me, I'll shoot you myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause you're, you're going to take me down uh, with you. So if I don't kill you, we're both. Out of here. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. That's it. And that I've actually said those words to somebody. It's mm-hmm. like, we're going that way. That's, that's where we're going. No freaking way. If you don't come with me, I'm going to shoot yeah. you. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you knew I wasn't kidding. Take my chances. And, I'll take my chances. Um, hey. Yeah. It's a, it's a two man patrol as it is. I'm not going by myself. So you're coming with me. And mm-hmm. if you don't like it, I'm going to hurt you. And you know, mm-hmm. I will. Mm-hmm. And uh, cause that's the job. 
you got to go that way, the, the way you really, 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 really don't want to go. But you, you don't know who's who until you're in it. Then you learn who can do this job and who cannot. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I'm one of the people that could. Mm-hmm. But because of that, it screws up the rest of my life mm-hmm. because I can't back off. Mm-hmm. I can't. My brain is like, nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if there's a problem, you smash it. You cannot back <laughs> off. Are you still like that to this day? Yeah. No. You yeah. are? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, and this Please. is about seven, seven years ago. But, um, of course, hypervigilance, right? I can see all the things that other people don't even notice. They don't even know what's going on. Um, my kids were much younger. They're just little guys. And uh, we walk into a McDonald's in Edmonton. And right now, <laughs> I know who the bad guys are. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> Those threat level. Ding, 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 ding. Two bad guys. And they were uh, harassing the young 50, as they're ordering their food, a little 15-year-old girl taking their order, just this tiny little, and just terrified. And her little manager was like 18. uh, He was sitting there with his big wide eyes. He was all of five foot three and couldn't do bugger all. and, and, And he didn't know what to do. And so I'm listening. And this guy, um, the, the taller one, these, these two uh, young men that were pretty, pretty seedy teardrop tattoo on, on the eye, the whole nine yards. Right. Mm-hmm. And Hey, what time you get enough work, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, yeah, I could get a pack of smokes for her passing her around the remand center. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, and, and she's, freaking terrified managers doing nothing. And of course I'm the only one that notices. Mm -hmm. And, and my wife, uh, was, uh, uh, could, could hear it. I just looked at her and said, remember that thing? And she's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) And uh, cause it's about to happen because we've already rehearsed this. She knows the drill. And so she stood way back, stayed away from me, looked after my kids. And then I went in, Mm -hmm. but because I know what I know, I knew that I was going into a combat situation because you can't say shit to somebody like this without them going, who the hell do you think you are? You want to go, man? This is the consequence, which is why people don't say anything. But do you think I could stop? You know, I couldn't stop. Uh, Although I did make up my mind that I'm not going to hit this guy. This is not going to be a fight. No matter what comes at me, I'm not going to hit him. Uh, which was not easy to do because as soon as I, uh, when I'm all nice, you know, if I went in barking, that probably would have been better. Hey, who the hell do you think? That would actually would have been better in this situation because he would have responded to that. Mm-hmm. I tried a different approach. I'm like, hey, guys, how's it going? My name's Mark. How you doing? I know you're just having fun. You're probably not aware of it, but you're actually scaring the hell out of that girl. So, you know, let's, let's just be nice. How about that? And his response was, I should fucking stab you, motherfucker. Oh God. Like, oh, well, I guess I read that situation correctly. <laughs> you know, I, I better pull out my knife now. <laughs> yeah. And of course, he's expecting me to back off. And of course, I don't. And he's very confused. He's like, he's six foot two. I'm five foot nine. He just threatened to stab me. I'm sitting there smiling. 
And I said, Oh, come on now. <laughs> and he just cannot understand why I'm not scared and why I'm not backing off. Now, was he a smarter man with a little bit more experience? He would have realized that there was a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did not read the room. <laughs> Probably All not. he knew is there was, a, there was a guy wearing business casual who is telling me to stop what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And um, he went at me, not with a knife, but he went at me and I couldn't help it. I uh, ended up taking control of him, grabbed his head, and I was in the process of snapping his neck. But I stopped right at that breaking oh, point. My God, yeah. And uh, but I had him, and he knew that I had him, and I knew that he knew that I knew that I had him. Um, but I thought, uh, you know, I I really can't. Like this is going to be bad. It's on camera. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I just can't do this, uh-huh. and I, and I really don't want to kill this guy. Um, but it was right at that breaking point, and I had to decide. Well, I, now I know. Don't know what to do with him. It's like a dog chasing a car. You don't know what to do when you caught when you catch it. And I'm not, uh, I don't practice martial arts uh, as often as I used to. So I was stuck. Like, I don't know what to do. So I just threw a knee into his chest, threw him away, pushed him back. And, um, cause there's two of them. Mm-hmm. And after he's pushed back and somebody else uh, tackles him and keeps him apart. And then I'm talking with the other guy and said, I'm not going to have a problem with you too. Am I? I was like, no, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was half the size of the other guy. And while I'm talking with the smaller fella, um, the first guy broke free of the guy that was holding him back and laid a haymaker on me. Broke my tooth. TKO'd oh, me. Didn't know I was TKO'd, but I was TKO'd. I just stood up and I looked at him, and he, and, which freaked him out somehow. And they ran away. Thank God, because I couldn't defend myself at that point. But your question was, am I still like that? And that's my answer. Yes, I am. Yes, you're right. <laughs> there's not a damn thing I can do about it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely hear that. Cause there's, I don't, it's something in you, right. That makes you run towards the emergency and other people would kind of run the other way or do nothing. Right. There's lots of cases that people do nothing, but I'm with you. I, I try to avoid Lauren, you too, right? I try to avoid crowds because I know what I'm like. Mm-hmm. So I just avoid it, especially like the Christmas shopping, all that. Like anywhere I go, if there's something going on, I seem like you seem to see it, seem to go to it to help, to you see what others diffuse, don't. to what, yeah, to do whatever, you know, whatever it may be. And sometimes, I have my kid with me. Sometimes it's just me or whatever, but it's, I'm always going to it. Right. It's like a superpower, but it's, <laughs> um, but that hypervigilance, like you are seeing and hearing things that other people just don't see and hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, just this summer, uh, my wife and I were in Victoria and we're in uh, market square. There's this little witch shop. There was a witch shop, but it was a young soldier. There's so like, let's go see the goofy witch, uh, the funny witch shop had a better vibe this time. And uh, as I'm buying my uh, little bedangle bracelet, um, all I could hear as my wife's talking to me, I'm not listening to my wife. Not because I'm ignoring her, because I can't hear her, because all I can hear is the screaming and yelling and the smashing uh, on the other side of Market Square. So that is all I can hear because because uh, I'm doing threat assessment. Is there going to be a gunshot? Do I am I going to hear the word knife? You know, um, I'm looking for key words. Like, am I going to have to exit this place quickly and deal with it, or are we going out the back door? And I am in it. So she's like, "You're not listening to me." I'm like, 
I, I, and I couldn't even respond to her. And then I explained this after, and she's like, I didn't hear any yelling at all. Like mm-hmm. she could hear nothing. And all I could hear was the violence. Mm-hmm. It's all I could hear, you know, and uh, I'm, it, it, we live in a different world. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, we always will. So it's like you take your superpower and you learn to live with it. So sometimes you might avoid big crowds and sometimes you're out and you're, you're there for a reason, right? To help, to support, to fight, to not fight, to whatever, to get a Big Mac, whatever it might be, right? <laughs> when I first got out and you go to the bars with your buddies, uh, on more than a few occasions, I'd, I'd look around and go, I'm leaving. They're like, why? Because of the fights. What fights? You'll see. And I'd leave. And then they tell me, there's three fights that night. And I was like, uh-huh. Because <laughs> you, yeah, you know people's body language and patterns and all of that. You're like, this is going south. I already know this. Or even, even I was up with some friends on Saturday, I, I was actually really sick and a couple of university girlfriends were in town. So they messaged me and they were like, come out to the bar. And I, I just drank a Neo Citra and I was like, okay, I'll come for one. <laughs> <laughs> but I got there and there was like a big group of people and all. And, and then I was like, this is going sideways. So I'm either leaving or I'm, I'm going to be dancing in an hour and a half. And my kid has hockey at eight o'clock in the morning and I haven't been feeling very good. So that's exactly it. I can see what's going to happen before it even happens. And I'm like, this is my exit now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything dangerous, but I was going to be a crappy mom the next day. So I decided <laughs> to drink my ginger ale and get the hell out of there (laughs) (laughs) i was on on a date once uh, i was at um in edmonton at uh, reds and we're watching george thorgood Mm -hmm. and um uh this this girl i was dating and she was standing in front of me and i looked and i go oh that's not good i grab her i pick her up and i put her beside me and i say stay behind me she's like what the hell's going on just stay behind me why because of the fight what fight just give it a second in three, two, <laughs> one, kaboom. And it just floated and tables are flipping and everything else. Now, as this craziness is happening right in front of me, she wasn't watching the fight. She was watching me watch the fight. She said mm-hmm. it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Cause I'm just all calm. And just, okay. Uh-huh. And she goes, why weren't you scared or, or concerned? It's like, well, cause I already sized all of them up. And none of them were a threat to me. (laughs) You know. So crazy, hey? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) like, how did you know? You just know. You can see it. You can feel it. You can can sense it. Your spidey senses. Yeah. I remember remember that, Sharon. We would always be like, ooh, today's not a good day. Yeah. As soon as you walk, (laughs) you'd walk into the jail and yeah you would say oh god right here we go <laughs> lunch now it's, eat your it's lunch nine now. o'clock eat your lunch now because it's just going <laughs> eat your just lunch down. take a and, pee and it went. no more water no more water for <laughs> no the rest water. of the day no more water <laughs> yeah then you check the calendar and you're like oh it is a full moon <laughs> yes <laughs> we knew though like we would the come thing. in and we'd hear like this happened this happened Oh shit, here we go. And it was, and even when you'd hear like an inmate's name, whose name hadn't come up for a while, they go through their own particular cycles, right. Of, Mm -hmm. you know, pattern behavior or, you know, anniversary dates or whatever. We're like, ah, fuck, here we go. It's on. Here we go. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it was, and you could feel it. The vibe was just very different. There was like, you know, someone sneaking around or someone came up to say something and we're like, oh yeah, all right, here we go. So it's amazing that modern science hasn't coming up, hasn't come up with a, a shit meter yet. You know, like we can, we can feel it. If we can feel it, then, then you can come up with some sort of gizmo, some sort of shit meter that can tell, you know, yes. Oh, and, that would be one end of the meter. It's like the yeah. fan and <laughs> it is like, how close is the meter to the exactly. fan? Exactly. And all you'd have to Stay do is drive. You just have to drive around the jail an hour before work. And then you could call in sick if the shit meter goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not coming in. Well, we can feel Hilarious. it. It's a thing. We can <laughs> feel it. It's a thing. It's amazing. that It hasn't been measured yet. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. Sharon, you go, you ask, ask the okay, final well, question. I, There's something. We yeah. Want to know. Well, it, and in, in listening to your story, which I'm so glad that, that you shared with us, but it sounds to me like you've reinvented yourself a few times throughout your life. So what does that mean to you? What does reinventing yourself mean to you? Well, about four or five years ago when I, uh, finally reached out for help is because I was screaming at my youngest kid for spilling crumbs on the floor. And I watched him break. I watched his face melt. And I, and I realized, Oh shit, I'm hurting my kid. I'm causing trauma to my kid. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't stop. I couldn't like no amount of willpower was allowing me to stop. I could not do it. And I also cannot continue. So what are my options here? Eat a bullet? Maybe. I considered it. Mm -hmm. Or fix this. And that was the day that I reached out to um, the Royal Canadian Legion, actually, who hooked me up and uh, started the ball rolling with uh, Veterans Affairs. Mm -hmm. But step one is figuring out how to not be an asshole with my kids. And mission accomplished. You know, it, it does not happen anymore. It just does not happen. I catch myself and it wasn't easy. It took a couple of years um, to really get a grip on it. Uh, and not easy. Ugly road. Ugly freaking road. Mm -hmm. But my kids are worth it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, the my why. kids are worth the it. The why behind the the projection forward is the whole reason we do things, right? The yeah. whole reason we stick with things, the hard things, the why behind yeah. it is the significant piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, that mission was accomplished, but, um, there's still all kinds of other things. Why I, I cannot re-end like I'm a full-time podcaster, man. That's what I'm doing. Yes. And I'm enjoying my medical pension. Yes. And um be, because I can't work. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, I legit can't. And um, and that's okay. You know, it's unfortunate. And I'm not stopping. You know, I'm continuing on the healing road, but for now, thank God Veterans Affairs has a, um options to look after veterans because I cannot work. I cannot handle it. Mm -hmm. And there's so many examples of how that's still true, mm -hmm. but other things have made life worth living, having a good relationship with both my boys. That's mm -hmm. priority. Mm -hmm. And 
as I go down this healing road, sharing that healing road with other people so that I can put out signposts and leave a trail of breadcrumbs for other people to follow. That's Operation Tango Romeo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so where can they, where can they find that? Like are, you're on all uh, platforms to find your podcast. Yeah. The eight biggest ones. Uh, so Spotify, Google, Apple, most people tune in on Apple, but I'm not an Apple guy. So I use uh, Spotify. The primary upload point is uh, anchor.fm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to go from there, it goes to all the other platforms. And I you saw also, you have, you have like a, so many followers. A couple. You have lots of followers. This is like a big a deal. This is a big deal. And you have like 150, how many episodes? 158 uh, right now. 158. Yeah. Okay. I think I, I thought I saw Well, there's a couple that, 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 that they're, they're, they're not live yet. Yeah. They're in the hopper, but they've been produced. They're sitting there. It's about 158. And they can, um, find, can they find you on Facebook, Instagram, uh, w- website, all that stuff? Yeah, to watch the show live or to watch the video version of it, it's on uh, the Facebook. Uh, so Operation Tango Romeo on Facebook or my personal page. It's also uh, on LinkedIn, but it's LinkedIn doesn't have the video collection. So you'd have to kind of go fishing for it. Okay. But on the Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast Facebook page, you can see the uh, the full video collection on there. I, uh, I kind of run out of bandwidth when it uh, comes to YouTube. So I just haven't been doing it. There's some on there, but I don't really do it. So it's on the Facebook lives. Um, awesome. uh, or you just click follow on, on your podcast platform, whichever one you prefer. And then the little bell goes off at a minimum every Thursday at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard, an Excellent. episode will drop and has for a year and a half. Awesome. Um, but that's the minimum. There's other ones that are dropping. Like I have one dropping this uh, Saturday and uh, I'm doing two or three a week on some weeks, but it's always a minimum of one always with no exceptions. Awesome. Okay. So good. So good. This was so, so great. Yeah. Amazing. We're, I mean, we're lucky. Stories that I haven't you... told in a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those are good stories too. They are good stories. So exciting. Yeah. It was really wicked to connect with you and hear, you know, all of your, well, not all of it. I mean, we could have started from the beginning, but I know you don't love that. I started when I was a zygote. <laughs> I was the fastest sperm. I was finally winning at something in life. <laughs> There was a close uh, second, but he poked him in the eye and I got there first. <laughs> that, that fight, that fight already started way back then. <laughs> yeah. Man, I was a fast swimmer. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again for being here with you. I hope that, um, um, yeah, I hope that this brings us closer and we get to do more fun things together in this space because it, uh, it's a wicked place to be. I love the connections mm. and the people and the, all the cool well, things. I'll see you happen. again at the pole dancing class. Yeah. Right. Pole dancing Thursday, Thursday at eight. Pole dancing. <laughs> yeah. Thursday at eight. <laughs> awesome. Okay. We'll see you later, Mark. Right. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at from uniforms to unicorns. Uh, on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Speaker, all of those. Also feel free to subscribe. You'll be notified of new episodes that come out and we always love a review. Also feel free to share with anybody you would enjoy. 
We also want to send a big thank you to Jamie Green for being our podcast editor and to Jeff Bale at Third Hell Music for our soundtrack. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day, love. Lauren and Sharon. 